Hello and welcome to the Chronicles of Aguna, episode six. On this edition, we'll be looking ahead to this weekend's huge North London derby taking place at Wembley Stadium on Saturday lunchtime. I'm your host, Harry Simiu, and joining me on this episode is none other than the voice of Arscast himself and the genius behind the Ars blog. It's Andrew Mangan. Andrew, thank you so much for joining us and welcome to the show. Thanks very much. My pleasure. Uh, before we delve into the world of Arsenal, how are you? I'm all right. Um, yeah, I've had a busy kind of day. I don't know. Uh, I'm sitting here. It's a Wednesday evening, sitting here nicely chilled out. Um, I've just uh, played my first game of FIFA 18 because I am I just haven't got around to getting it. <laughs> and uh, you know what? You know what's good? Um, if you're a really rubbish FIFA player like I am, it's really important to have a fast player in the team. Oh, definitely. And <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's like basically give it to the fast player, push it ahead, hit the R2 and sprint and hope it comes off. And with Theo Walcott gone, I was go, I was wondering, Oh my God, who is there? Sanchez is gone. Walcott is gone. I'm telling you, Obama Yang is the business. He's great. You just, if you can get him in behind, you're straight through on goal every time. Brilliant. Uh, that's great. I haven't tried Aubameyang yet on FIFA. I'm not very good, so I kind of... Oh, no, neither am I. I'm completely rubbish. <laughs> but, you know, I just... Uh, in these circumstances, it's nice to have somebody with a, a bit of pace in real life and uh, in FIFA as well. Of course, of course. So, unless you've been living in another universe, you'll be well aware that Arsenal travel to Wembley this weekend to take on our arch rivals in what is a vital game as far as our chances of making... The Champions League places are concerned. Andrew, how are your nerves going into this one? Uh, well, you know, it's a few days before the game, so I'm feeling all right. I'm not really um, wound up about it yet. But uh, I suppose in some ways I'm strangely confident, despite the fact it's an away game, despite the fact our record on the road this season has been a bit dodgy. Um, I don't really... It's In some ways, it's hard to view it as... 100% an away game, right? Because it's not their ground. Yeah. And they know that. And it will be very different from going to White Hart Lane. And it's a ground that we know very well. It's a ground that we've played on, a pitch we've played on many times over the last number of years. We've won trophies there, something, of course, that Tottenham would not know much about in recent times. Yeah. You know, so I think that could work in our favor. And I'm hopeful that the the boost that we got from bringing in Aubameyang and bringing in Henrik Mkhitaryan and seeing them slot into the team so well in their first outing together against Everton, I'm hoping that it would that it will sort of spark some kind of a turnaround to our form, you know, um, and maybe you know, with all that in mind and the fact that we beat them in the last game, um, we, we shouldn't be. I don't think we should be lacking in confidence going into this one. Yeah, that's that's fair. Um, I know you said the game's a few days away and you're pretty relaxed at the moment. I'm the complete opposite because um, <laughs> I actually find the build-up to the derby worse than the actual day itself. I don't know why. I think it's because I've got time to think of different scenarios and things like that. Yeah. But Andrew, based on the personnel Arsene Wenger has available to select from, what would be your preferred lineup on Saturday? Um, I'm a little bit torn as to what I would do in the center of midfield. Um, I think we're going to go with three at the back. 
So that means Monreal, Koscielny and Mustafi playing as the three centre-halves with Bellerin as the right wing-back. Left wing-back is an issue, isn't it? Because Said Kolasinac has been a little bit out of form. He doesn't look himself. He doesn't look the same kind of player he did at the start of the season. So yeah. you wonder, is that a risk? And then is Ainsley Maitland-Niles a risk because he's so inexperienced and you're having to play him out of position in a in a big game? I mean, he did it against Chelsea at home, of course, uh, I think. It was Chelsea at home. He played him there. Yeah, so right. he's not afraid to throw him in, you know? So it'll be between those two for left wing back. Then you've got a front three of Ozil, uh, Mkhitaryan, Aubameyang. And what do you do then in central midfield? Is it going to be... Um, is it going to be Wilshire and Ramsey? I think it's going to be Ramsey plus one. Whether it's Wilshire or whether it's Xhaka, I'm not 100% sure. Um, I'm not necessarily convinced that either are convincing options beside Ramsey in a game like this. You might prefer somebody with a bit more defensive awareness or a bit more defensive uh, focus. Perhaps might open the door for Elneny, but I don't really think so. I just get the feeling that because he's played Jack and Ramsey quite a lot together, he might he might stick with that. What do you yeah. think? Well, I'm torn as well because, you know, I'd like to see us start with a back three. I think we're at our most solid when we do that. Um, I think we only see the benefits from sort of switching back to the old system when we're trying to break down those stubborn teams, those sides that come there and park the bus, which is not going to be the case at, at Wembley. Mm. Um, so, you know what? Uh, I've been thinking about it all week, and I think I'll probably maybe would go with the back four, though, um, just for some reasons which I'll, I'll go into now. Okay. Um, assuming Czech is unavailable, obviously, Ospina in goal. I'd go Bellerin, Mustafi, Koscielny, Monreal across the back. Mm. Um, I'd go Shaka, Wilshire, and Ramsey in the midfield, all okay. three of them. Um, and then what I'd do is I'd use then Ozil, um, Mkhitaryan and Aubameyang, and that would mean Iwobi would miss out. Um, but having said that, I suspect Arsenal will want to fit Iwobi in there somewhere because I think when you look back at some of our better defensive performances this season, the game that comes to mind is Chelsea away in the league and yeah. obviously the cup tie as well. And Iwobi's ability to do a, a bit more of a disciplined job on those two occasions was one of the key components behind our success. Um, and, and I think his performances have improved of late. So I expect Iwobi to be in there, but then if you go with the way I've just said, that means Mkhitaryan misses out. So mm. it, it's very difficult. I just think uh, yeah. with someone like Aaron Ramsey, he's not disciplined enough for me to play as one of the two because he won't stay back. He, he doesn't do it. He just doesn't. Um, but equally, he's got the legs to get up and down the pitch like nobody else in our midfield does. Yeah. Um, so it, I'm torn as well. I, I, honestly, I don't. I don't know what. It's a would difficult do. one, isn't it? Because uh, there is that. I mean, you look at how effective Ramsey was going forward against Everton, and you can't drop Mkhitaryan after he's you know provided three assists, a couple of them for Aaron Ramsey. But I absolutely take your point about. Uh, maybe Ramsey being a bit too forward thinking, particularly for a game against Tottenham, where if they can get some space in the center of that midfield, they've got the craft and they've got the quality uh, to, to get the ball into Harry Kane. Ericsson is a really great player. Um, Son is a very dangerous player as well. 
And if you give them space in the midfield, then it it is going to be something that they'll be able to take advantage of. So I think it's for, for Wenger, it's about trying to find the balance. The idea of playing three central midfielders would not be something I'd be averse to. I wonder if you could play Wilshire Ramsey and Jacko all together. I'm again not 100% convinced, but you know, someone like Wilshire in a game like this where you know you need people who feel the game as well, you know, um, who understand it. And I'm not saying that any of the players don't understand the importance of a derby, but just maybe sometimes you need a, a little bit of a character. You could find space for him in, in that midfield. Whatever happens, so whatever formation he picks. I do think Iwobi is going to be the one who misses out. Uh, I take your point about how good he was against Chelsea away, um, but I just feel like he he's the obvious candidate to drop out whatever system he chooses. Yeah, no, that's that's a fair point. And also, the more I'm thinking about it, the more I think that maybe perhaps if we did play those three in midfield, then you'd be having sort of Ozil and Mkhitaryan as the two wide men. And would mm. they protect the fullbacks in a back four well enough? Or would they sort of leave them a bit exposed? And and you know, yeah. Spurs' fullbacks do like to get forward, so that that could be a potential problem as well. I mean, Andrew, if we were to win on Saturday, and it's obviously a big if, we'd be just a single point behind Spurs, which, when you think about it, wouldn't be a disaster considering our away record this season has been so poor. Mm. But we'd be back in the hunt for a top four finish, surely, wouldn't we? Yeah, yeah, I think we would certainly begin to put pressure on these teams above us you know Tottenham like you say we close the gap depending what happens this weekend to Chelsea and Liverpool I don't quite know who they're playing this weekend I should I should have looked that up but uh yeah I mean it would certainly help us put some pressure on there and we have to go on a really big run of form to get into the top four um this season you know we've we've fallen behind in such a way that it becomes an uphill battle a struggle um to, to get in there but you know if you win and you win against Tottenham that sends a bit of a statement about your team it sends a bit of a statement about this new look Arsenal team as well that this is not just a, a side that can roller coaster or steamroll somebody rather at home like we did against Everton last uh, last weekend but they can go to a big game and they can they can win and yeah, we have to. That's all we can do is win our games. I think we're in kind of cup final territory in a way. Um, one game at a time kind of stuff. You know, every single game we play now in the Premier League is a is a huge game. Um, I think we've got to make sure that whatever happens on Saturday, we don't lose. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah. I think it's it's verging on must win, but but it's definitely one we cannot lose because if we lose... And if, uh, you know, that puts Tottenham, what would that put Tottenham ahead of us? Seven points ahead of us. Yeah. And then you would be playing, let's say Liverpool win and let's say Chelsea win. You know, they're further, they're eight points ahead of us, eight, nine points ahead of us with 11 games to go. It's not impossible, but, uh, you know, it would be very, very difficult. And then it's a question of can he keep the team motivated for the Premier League for the rest of the season if it looks so impossible to get top four. So, yeah, you know, I think a win a win is would be really, really important. I still think it's a big, big task for us. I'm not 100% convinced that we can do it because of our away record, although beyond Manchester United and this Tottenham game, 
uh, the weekend, our away fixtures are relatively friendly. I think we've got we've got Brighton, we've got Huddersfield, Newcastle, maybe, and, and one more away from home. So on paper, winnable games, but our record away from home is such that it's it's almost impossible to predict what we're going to do. Yeah, that's the thing. That's been the real problem at Arsenal this season, and we need to rectify it as soon as possible. Um, we spoke about Chelsea and Liverpool just there briefly. Liverpool are actually away to Southampton and Chelsea play West Brom at home on Monday night. And I know on paper those fixtures look easy, but they are two sides that are fighting for their lives, I suppose. So, mm. I mean, it, it's very important to be there and, and ready to pounce when these teams slip up, though, isn't it? That's Yeah, that's, the key yeah, thing. that's all you can do. I mean, they have slipped up in recent times and we've also slipped up you know we lost against Swansea you think about what three points against Swansea for example would have meant to the league table going into this game it only have been a point behind Tottenham um some of the away games this season you know Bournemouth in recent weeks as well you know ideally you would expect Arsenal to win both those games at which point we would be sitting currently in third or joint third with Liverpool. And you can go to Stoke, you can go to Watford and think about those games. So uh, you, you've got to be ready. But what you've got to make sure first and foremost is that you get your own results right. You, you, you've no control over what the other teams do. What you can control is what you do and how you do it. And it, it would be fair to say we've been below par away from home. Um, I think if we were going to White Hart Lane this weekend, I'd be feeling a lot more nervous about the whole thing. But I, the Wembley... The Wembley dynamic makes it makes it different, um, makes it more of a one-off game rather than an away game. Yeah, definitely. Totally agree. Um, Maurizio Pochettino has had some things to say on the diving problem this week. Uh, he seems to think we are too sensitive about the situation and that it's just a minimal issue. I mean, given our tendency to concede penalties relatively often, <laughs> is a certain Spurs player's willingness to go down with ease something that concerns you ahead of this one? I do wonder if those are comments that might come back to bite him, you know, when he talks about diving and, and how you're trying to trick the opponent at all time. Is that going to be in the referee's mind this weekend? when he looks at whatever the Tottenham players do. Uh, I mean, I think his comments were, you can see where he's coming from, that basically, you know, the mentality is to win whatever the whatever the costs. Um, but yeah, you, you can't help but worry about us and conceding penalties and also our inability to save penalties. <laughs> I, I know a lot of people, you know, point fingers at Petr Cech about his his lack of penalty saves, and I get it, but I'd much prefer if we stopped conceding them. That would be a far uh, <laughs> a far better thing. And, you know, some people can complain about some of the penalties with some justification. I think, you know, you think about the Callum Chambers one at West Brom, uh, and that was that was very unfortunate, uh, a wrong decision from, from Mike Dean. But the reality is that too often we're defending on the back foot. And when you're defending on the back foot, you tend to make last-ditch challenges or desperate challenges, and those can result in penalties or uh, free kicks. So, yeah, I'm, I'm trying not to think about the idea of Harry Kane stepping up with a penalty <laughs> uh, on Saturday. Um, that, that's probably one of the uh, the terrifying scenarios that's been going through your head in the build-up, I'm sure. Yep, definitely. It's definitely been one of them. I mean, I found Pochettino's comments quite strange as well because – for me, diving is is simply not acceptable. I mean, it's not so bad when there's a little bit of contact and, you know, the player slightly exaggerates it in order to bring it to the attention of the officials. Because I think with that, we, we're seeing players do that because we've seen so many officials miss key decisions. And so 
players feel as though they need to do it sometimes. Um, but when there's absolutely no contact at all, like we saw in the Delhi Alley incident up at Anfield last weekend, that really, you know, gets on my nerves. And and I'm concerned that in a derby, in the heat of the moment, Spurs will be looking to give the referee a decision to make. And let's just hope he can um, hold his nerve. And also, it's mm. worth noting that Anthony Taylor's the referee who actually was the referee that awarded Eden Hazard that soft penalty at the Emirates back in <laughs> January. So we know it doesn't take much for him to point to the spot. No, no. But, you know, I think sometimes we get a little bit too hung up on who the referee is and 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 everything else. You know, they're pantomime villains in a way. And sometimes when you look at the record that we have with a particular referee, it's nowhere near as bad as people think. Yeah. Uh, you know, I remember uh, it was Anthony Taylor that refereed the FA Cup final, wasn't it, against Chelsea? Um uh, and, you know, you go into that game, you think, oh, God, Anthony Taylor's refereeing the FA Cup final. He'd had a, I could be wrong here, but he'd, he'd had a big falling out with Arsene Wenger earlier in the season. The whole, you're, what did he say? You're, uh, you're disrespecting your federation or you're a disgrace to your federation, et cetera, et cetera. He got a big ban for it uh, because he put hands on the referee and you're thinking, okay, well, this could go badly for us. But, you know, we won the game and it was Chelsea, actually, that had a player sent off for diving. So, you know... I think perhaps we just get a little bit too hung up on the idea of who the referee is and it becomes in some ways an easy outlet for us to point fingers at the referee rather than point fingers or ask questions of our own team at times. Of course. And I think when you've got the referee issue in your head, you'll you'll start looking for things that you probably wouldn't have even complained <laughs> about before. Um I put out a tweet earlier on in the week asking our followers to post the team they would start with. And we've been through ours and what we would do. But there was still a lot that included Sead Kolasinac in the team. Now, in your opinion, why has he fallen out of favour? Because Arsenal has preferred to start the young Ainsley Maitland-Niles in there, a central midfield player by trade over him. So what do you put it down to? Why do you think he's fallen out of favour? I think, you know, it could be a number of things. It's very difficult to understand quite what's happened, but I think it could be just a combination of things where he's he's had an injury. He's had a, a hip injury, which I think can be uh, difficult enough to deal with at times, and that can affect the player's mobility, affect his physicality. And when you don't feel 100% on the pitch, it can affect your confidence. I think his confidence has definitely taken a knock. His his form has taken a knock as well. And, you know, it happens to players and it can happen that they get taken out of the team when their form is poor. And I think that's what's happened to him more than anything else. Uh, you know, we live in a very short-term world, don't we, where, you know, the old, uh, the old adage about you're only as good as your last performance, you know, it's true, I guess, but you have to be realistic about these kind of things. And I see people writing him off and saying he's a bust and everything else. I mean, he might be, maybe those, maybe those people are right. Maybe they see more than I do, but I think you've got to give a player more than six months, you know, particularly when at the start of his Arsenal career, he did look pretty impressive. You know, he looked very promising, very good going forward. You could see that there were still some issues defensively that he might have to work on, but you expected him perhaps over the course of the season to work on those. But, He's had some problems. I think he's had some problems maybe with adaptation to England or adapting to a new team. Um, so it's it's hard to pinpoint one thing, isn't it, and say yeah. that's the reason or this is why. Uh, I think it's really hard to be completely definitive about something when we don't know exactly what's going on behind the scenes. We don't know 
what his physical condition is like, how much of the injury is still affecting him or how much it's had an impact on him. So, look, players have ups and downs. And um, sometimes a player starts really brightly at a club and, and can't maintain that. And sometimes a player takes a while to settle in and might take a season before he really feels comfortable or or feels like he's part of the team or rediscovers the form that made the club sign him in the first place. So uh, I'm okay with just, if he's not in form, we don't play him or or uh, leave him out of the team until he can rediscover some form again. And, you know, it can happen as quickly as one game. Yeah. You know, guy no. comes in and has a good performance and all of a sudden he's back on track and he can see, you know, what's, um, what you know, what he was made of, or he, he, he rediscovers the kind of player that, uh, you know, he, he was before. So it's, it's hard to know, but I'm not that worried yet. Okay. I, I found it, I've been finding it interesting because I've been racking my brains for weeks trying to work out what, what the issue is with Kolasinac. But I thought when he came on at the weekend, we looked a little bit weaker in, in that left back position. And I came away from that game thinking it could be a fitness issue. Mm. Um, he looks a bit heavy, looks a bit sluggish, and perhaps Arsenal's been unhappy with his physical condition. I mean, I, I don't know what you think, but I think that that could be a factor um, because yeah. he certainly doesn't look 100% fit to me. But then that could also be because of a lack of game time. So I guess he swings and roundabouts. Yeah, he's a big guy, though, anyway, isn't he? You know, so he's he's a very physically imposing guy. He is... He's broad, he's stocky, he's, you know, he's a big unit, right? <laughs> so he's not going to be someone like Nacho Monreal, who's a very, you know, thin, slight player. So if he is having physical issues, they probably are easier to spot with a guy who already looks a bit big and heavy. Yeah. Um, so maybe it doesn't take much to tip the balance the wrong way, if you know what I mean. So it could be a physical thing. I think it probably is. Or there's certainly a physical element to to what's going on with him, um, whether it's injury or weight or or you know I, I don't quite know what you know maybe he's been too much on the weights and they need to uh, demuscleify him. I don't know if that's a word or, or if that's something you can even do, but just maybe take some of the muscle off him and and streamline him a bit. Maybe that's part of what's going on. We'll we'll have to wait and see. I like that one. Streamline him a bit. Yeah. <laughs> Um, another player who appears to have lost his place in the first team is, is Alex Lacazette. I've had numerous discussions with Arsenal fans, guests on the show and various other people about his dip in form. Um, both of us seem to think he won't start the game this weekend. And that's very unlikely, in my opinion. Um, why do you think he's struggled of late? Because some people say it's service. Some people say he's not doing enough. What, what's your take on it, Andrew? I think it's I think it's primarily asking him to play in a way that he's not really what's the way I want to describe this you know as as he has uh let me let me try this again um I find my words this time I promise when he first came into the team, we could see a guy who was really um, sharp in the penalty box. We could see we bought a penalty box striker. His instincts in the penalty box were really good. You know, some of the, the first goals he scored, you remember that header against Leicester? He was really sharp. He just sort of directed the header from inside the box. There was a goal against West Brom, I think, where Alexis took a free kick and he was first to react in the box. Um, 
we saw what kind of a player he was. And we saw he was a player who was looking to make runs, and we didn't really play to those strengths. But over the last number of weeks and months, we've almost been asking him to play like Olivier Giroud, with his back to goal, holding the ball up at the edge of the box. And I don't think that's really his game. And again, I think his form has taken a bit of a dip. I think his confidence has taken a bit of a dip. And he's also, it would be fair to say, been playing in a team that has been wildly inconsistent, that can lurch from looking very good to very bad. And we've had issues with our creative players. We've had Alexis in the team who has been, I won't say a problem, but w when you've got someone like Alexis in the team, you're, you become very reliant on an individual to create and to score and to spark the team into life. And maybe over the coming months, now that that, uh, that sort of focus is gone and it's a bit more on the collective with Mkhitaryan, Aubameyang, Ozil, um, pulling the strings for for a striker maybe uh, you know he'll find some form again but i'm not that worried about him either i think um he's shown enough to to let us know that he's a good player and that if you give him yeah. chances he'll score i don't think we've been giving him or anybody else chances to score really i think that's the problem i think he has looked a bit looked a bit subdued a bit under the weather a bit beaten down perhaps low on confidence but I think he's I think he's a really good option to have. Let's remember everyone was really excited about signing him in the summer and you know we paid 46 million pounds for him. We saw enough in him to splash out that huge amount of money, you know, which for Arsenal was the club record signing at the time. So let's uh let's just give the guy a break. Remember that he's going he's going to be a very important player for us because of the Europa League. Aubameyang can't play in Europe, so Lacazette is going to be our guy in the Europa League. He's someone that we need to get back into form and scoring goals again. And uh, I think he just needs maybe a little bit of a, a little bit of a breather from a Premier League point of view. But you know, stick him out against uh, Ostersunds and uh, in both those games, and give him a chance to play against uh, a team that, on paper, you you feel like he would be able to take advantage of and get him a you know a few goals get the confidence up again, and I think we'll see him start scoring. Yeah, I I, I also share the same opinion. I'm not overly concerned. Um, I think, you know, many people have said, oh, well, he's been dropped now and it's going to damage his confidence. I actually mm -hmm. think taking him out of the firing line for a little while, it will do him some good um, because you're not going to get people turning around every week and going, oh, Lacazette didn't score today. So um, I think he needs it. I think he needs to come out of the firing line a little bit. Like you said, the Europa League will be massive for him um, because he has to play. Uh, and hopefully he can rediscover his form pretty quickly. I mean, he's still scored nine league goals this season, which is not bad um, mm. for someone that's just come from a foreign league. You know, it's, it's not bad. I think, what, it's nearly one in three, just under one in three. Yeah. Um, it's not terrible, I suppose. No, um, I mean, we, I think we hope for more, didn't we? We, we? we definitely hope for more, but... I don't think we can overlook the the big issue, uh, which is the team. Yeah. You know, so not just Lacazette and not just Kolasinac and not just Xhaka and not just Iwobi. Focusing on these individuals, I think is, I, I don't mean to say it's pointless, but it misses the bigger picture that sometimes players struggle because they're not good enough or or, or various reasons, but we've had a team that's really struggled. 
for for cohesiveness, for consistency, for rhythm, you know, to even look like an Arsenal team at times has been a real struggle for us. I think we haven't looked like an Arsenal team in lots of games this season. So I think that above everything else is the main issue. And if we focus, get too macro and focus on the individuals and why isn't he doing this? Why isn't he doing that? And putting that onus on the individual, I, I don't think we solve anything. I think we've got to look at the bigger picture and 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 uh, and ask why it is the team has been so wildly inconsistent. Yep. And just finally, Andrew, what's your prediction for the derby? Because I want you to forget what your heart tells you for a minute. What does your head tell you is going to happen on Saturday? Um... It's so difficult. You know, it's so difficult to predict anything about this team. You know, they've they've had some great performances and it was hard not to be encouraged by what we saw against Everton and being the kind of glass half full guy that I am. Um, I'm going into this one with my confidence a little bit boosted. I think we can win. Tottenham are playing midweek, aren't they? Oh, they're playing tonight. That's As we right, record right. this, they're playing tonight. So, you know, ideally they go to extra time. That would be great. Sap their legs and and what have you. I think, I think we're going to win. I think we're going to win. I, I don't know the score, 2-1, something like that, but I think we're going to win. We're definitely going to concede though, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, of course we are. Clean sheets. We don't do those anymore. Petacek's <laughs> going to be 55 years of age and he's still going to be looking for that 200th clean sheet. And, do you know what? We might actually get it if he doesn't play. That would be sods low, wouldn't it? If you didn't play and then you got it. <laughs> well, yeah, well, yeah. The, the, there's the Ospina uh, factor to take into account there as well. So, uh, yeah, wishful yeah. thinking. Um, I'm diplomatically quiet in that regard. <laughs> I'm going to sit on the fence and I'm going to say a one-one draw. I think um, that's what I'm going for. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a it's a result that, or it's a game that often. Uh, ends up with a draw because of just because of the occasion, not necessarily the the respective quality of the teams, but just because of the occasion and how big a game it is for each club and for each team. It's one of those that, that very often ends up a draw. So, like if I was putting money on it, uh, I would probably put it on a draw, but yeah. I'm not. Um, so I'm I'm gonna just try and remain vaguely optimistic. <laughs> Why not? Why not? And that brings us to the end of episode six. I want to say a huge thank you to our guest, Andrew, the voice of Askcast himself. Andrew, do you want to tell us how people can follow you on social media and listen to your amazing show? Sure. Uh, it's uh, at Arsblog on Twitter and uh, everything else you can find on the website, which is arsblog.com. You can find uh, the links to our podcast, to our new site, uh, our apps and, and everything else, you'll, you'll get it all there. So check out the website, arsblog.com. Thank you. Make sure you check it out, guys. It is a brilliant show. And in many ways, it's been an inspiration to so many of the Arsenal podcasts that are around nowadays. So uh, for that, we thank you, Andrew. Um, guys, if you're listening to us via iTunes, please be sure to hit the subscribe button and leave us a review. Reviews are really important to us. And I hope we can all end up enjoying this weekend. Come on, you gunners. Gunners.